Okay. So, I got this new necklace for my birthday. <laughs> so, is it too much? <laughs> Somebody gave me this. Somebody said, "Oh, we should put a chain in it. <laughs> Make it jewelry." <laughs> it's a little small for you. <laughs> Thank you. I think you should wear a little higher. Yes, I'm not open to suggestions. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But something that's interesting to me that I thought says blessed. Now, because I wear this lovely thing, does it mean I believe I'm blessed? No. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm going to take it off. <laughs> Now, I have this. <laughs> Little dancing Jesus. And I have news for you. It is not Jesus. <laughs> Although he dances well. Okay, now. I got a whole big bag of goodies here. Uh, let's do this first. I've got a holy Bible here. This Bible, while wonderful reference material, is not Judaism or Christianity. It's a book. It's a book to tell us things. This is not A Course in Miracles. This is a book to give us information about A Course in Miracles. This is not Santa Claus. <laughs> While it is an exact replica, <laughs> this is not Santa Claus. This is not a teddy. Oh, yes, I guess it is a teddy bear. <laughs> this is not me. <laughs> While it is an exact replica, <laughs> This is not Ruth Bader Ginsburg. <laughs> well, I'm a fan. This is not Buddha. This is not Buddha. This is not Buddha. <laughs> This is not Buddha. <laughs> this says wholeness. This is not wholeness. It's a rock that says wholeness. <laughs> we got all this crap in our house. <laughs> in our offices. You know, I often say there's no better place to buy a Buddha than in the Unity Bookstore in Kansas City. <laughs> there's piles of Buddhas for sale there. But it's not Buddha. It's an image. And yet people buy this stuff because they have to remind themselves relentlessly. Oh, wasn't he wonderful? What, wasn't he amazing? Oh, what a good dancer he was. Oh, uh, <laughs> Oh, what a bobblehead he is. 
What? <laughs> Did that mean something? I was just saying stand by the phone. Oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know what that symbol was. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Steve. I appreciate that, though. So we've been doing an antecedents of new thought or ancestors of new thought. Now, certainly the Buddha was not part of the new thought movement since the new thought movement didn't happen until the late 1800s here in America. But uh, so many influences for us about uh, that led to the new thought movement. And today I wanted to focus on Buddha. Why not? I think, I think Buddha is pretty great. It may be asked, who is the Buddha? A Buddha. And it says, a Buddha, not the Buddha. The first one says, who is the Buddha? The next part says, a Buddha uh, is one who has attained bodhi. And by bodhi, it's meant wisdom. Wisdom, enlightenment, an ideal state of intellectual and ethical perfection. You know, we, often, we don't often hear that word in our spirituality, ethics. I had to sign, when I became a minister, I had to sign a code of ethics. To say there are a lot of things. It doesn't tell me what I would do, but it told me a lot of things I, I had not to do. And uh, what they say here is that it can be achieved by, by man through purely human means. The term Buddha literally means enlightened one, a knower. One who just knows. You know things, don't you? You know, you, you just know things. There are certain things you just know. Doesn't mean you don't do them anyway. But you know, there are certain things you know. I grew up, I, I knew not to steal. But I said, well, I stole. Because I did. I was afraid of not having that. I needed every color magic marker in the world. I, you know, I stole magic markers. I stole other things, but uh, well, we'll use that for an example right now. <laughs> uh, as a man, Prince Gotama, he was born 627 years before Jesus. Uh, and by his own will, love, and wisdom attained Buddhahood, the highest possible state of perfection. And he taught his followers to believe that they might do the same. Any man within himself possesses the power to make himself good, wise, and happy. Doesn't that sound like what Christians say about Jesus? That he attained a level of perfection. I never met either one of them that I'm aware of. And so I don't know what happened on the days they were in a mood. I know what others have written about them. I, neither one had a, had a memoir. Jesus never wrote, wrote anything except a line in the sand. All the teachings of the Buddha can be summed up in one word, Dhamma, D-H-A-M-M-A. It means truth, that which really is. And it can be difficult to discern that. Well, what's real and what isn't? And my idea of truth, my understanding of truth, and I really like this one, is it comes from the statement, only truth is true. Uh, what I like about is that means anything that isn't truth isn't true. And that was a relief to me. What a huge relief. It's so simple. Some people just, they go mad just about a hearing a statement like that. Uh, what, what does that mean? I, I, because they want a more intellectual path 
to what that means. And to me, I don't, the last thing I need is something of the intellect. I need to be simple as a child. In the simplicity of a of childlike, boom, boom. So, what isn't true isn't truth. That makes perfect sense. I, that way, I don't have to worry anymore about figuring out what is true or what isn't. It'll be revealed. What is not true will show itself to me. Very, hopefully, very quickly. And so I can go on about my business instead of trying to figure out what is truth and what isn't. And, and to me, what is truth is that which has no opposite. It cannot be undone. If it is true, it cannot not be true. And, you know, if it is love, it cannot not be love. If it is, it cannot not. You know, for an instance, God is love, therefore God cannot not love me or you or the people I don't like. If God is love, God is love itself. And so the, it's not that God loves us, it's that God can't not love us. God is. God is not a person making decisions. God is not thinking. God is mind itself. God is divine thought. Charles Fillmore, Unity's co-founder, said, it's not that God gives us our thoughts. God gave us the ability to think. And, and so that's how that, that work, that work uh, continues to work. It, you know, the, the Dhamma also means law, the law which exists in a man's own heart and mind. Uh, it is the principle of righteousness. Therefore, the Buddha appeals to to person, we'll call it, to be noble, pure, and charitable, not in order to please a supreme deity. So we're not doing things to please God. So we'll get in God's good favor. We're already in God's good favor. The worst of us is in God's good favor. The best of us is in God's good favor. We're all equal in God. Uh, but in order to be true to the highest in himself. That's why we do it, to be the highest within yourself. To know today, you did your best. And that's, that's not a cop-out. Well, I did the best that I could. That's not that. Because often when I say that, I really didn't. I just did the best I was willing to do. Again, God's not judging us for that. But I am judging me for that. And I am judging. I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I, who here judges themselves? Yeah, it's, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. And we would do better. Uh, it's not redemption to judge oneself, especially harshly. There's no redemption in that. Redemption is to do your best, to pay attention and interrupt when you're about to do less than your best. Now, yes, we all make mistakes. We all go unconscious at times. But when it comes down to the basics, and there are <coughs> uh, parts of the, uh, Buddhism, and I don't know that I'm going to read the whole, the whole list of stuff. And one, one of them is do not kill. You'd think you'd get through your day without that, don't you? <laughs> but how many character assassinate? How many of us have a good time? We get together and we character assassinate. We just kill somebody's spirit from across town, across the world, across the country. Uh, says, but one of these things, in order to do our be at our highest, is do not kill. You wouldn't think that'd be so hard. But emotionally, 
a lot of us we kill and when we kill another we kill ourselves and so to interrupt that it's not about beating ourselves up for it it's not about claiming <coughs> sorry I'm breathing dust or something ah uh, no I'm okay interrupt the killing put the barbed word back in your pocket before you uh, kill again stop me before I kill again with a new thought with the realization wait a minute killing is not cool kill I'm not going to like myself today if I kill then stealing I'm not going to like myself today if I steal and I might think I really need to steal today I how am I going to get through the day if I don't steal something and you know to interrupt and then this is where faith in a higher power uh, uh, that, that we need an understanding of a God that likes us and is on our side because if we think we have an absent distant God we're gonna just give in to all our fleshly ways as it were and so to uh, say wait a minute I have a God that loves me because he can't not love me maybe I don't have to steal today maybe I can uh, sit and be uncomfortable now one of the things the, the Buddha taught was suffering it's inevitable the part you know it just and some of you may not why why do I have to suffer that's so negative but think about your life think about your whole life when has there been a time that there wasn't some form of suffering some uncomfortable and itch at the very least that you just can't reach to scratch as a uh, thought about oh God bless you God bless you Gesundheit. tight <laughs> uh, an itch that you can't scratch a thought that you just can't get out of your head that keeps telling yourself you're not likable you're not lovable you're not worthy of the kingdom if you were, these things wouldn't have taken place in your life. This wouldn't have happened to you if you were worthy of the kingdom. And when I'm thinking I'm not worthy of the kingdom, I suffer. So it comes down to acceptance. Just acceptance. I'm likely to suffer in some form the rest of my life. What I can do, though, is again go towards the highest the highest thought that this suffering isn't something that's being done to me by someone it's based on a thought I have of uh, itch ouch whatever you want to call it it's based on a thought I have that somehow neither I nor some people I know are worthy of the kingdom and you see as long as I hold you in pain and suffering I hold myself in pain and suffering hence the word unity so to find in unity I am willing at the very least that suffering ends for everyone I am no longer going to hold someone outside of me that I think is outside of me uh, to condemnation to say they are less than a God being what do I know? 
Really, when it comes down to what do I know about other people? I barely know myself. So to think that they should suffer. It just leaves me in that perpetual state of doubting God, doubting love, doubting peace, doubting joy. Perpetually. I'm not consciously aware of this most of the time, but we came to church today to talk about suffering. <laughs> yeah, in Unity, I one of the things I loved about Unity when I came to Unity is, oh, I don't have to suffer anymore. I can get a new car. I can. Everybody will love me. Me, 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 me. Excuse me, I'm just vocalizing. And uh, <laughs> and to real, oh, 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 and then you're here for a while. I can't believe she wore that hat today. Oh, she always does that. She sits there and gossips. Oh, she does that. Look at her up there. Look at him. He thinks he's such a big shot. But <laughs> now we're in church. And, we're, and, and the old stuff comes back. All these people we loved, we now find flawed. And what do we do? We go to another church. We stop going to church. I haven't told this story in a while. I like this one. About, it's about a man who's been trapped on a, a desert island for years and years and years. And suddenly this rescue boat comes along. And they get to this island. And, and they get over there. And what they're shocked at is how built up this deserted island is. There's a beautiful dock waiting for the rescue boat, apparently. And they, and they meet the man who lives there. One man. And they look around and there's, there's little buildings and stuff. But up on the hill there are these three magnificent buildings. And they say, who built those? And he said, oh, I did. Really? Oh, Well, what's the one in the middle? He said, oh, that's my house. That's where I live. Said, that, that's really beautiful. And what's the one on the right? And he says, oh, that's my church. It's incredible. You built a church. And then what's the one on the left? They said, oh, that's the church I used to go to. Because <laughs> <laughs> we're crazy. <laughs> if man will live by Dharma, he will escape misery and come to nirvana. The final release from all suffering. It is not by any kind of prayer. That's what's... It's the coop. It is not by any kind of prayer, nor by any ceremonies, nor by any appeal to a god that a man will discover the Dhamma which will lead him to his goal. He will discover it in only one way. By developing his own character. Uh, this development comes only through control of the mind and purification of the emotions. Until a man stills the storm in his heart, until he extends his loving kindness to all beings, he will not be able to take even the first step toward his goal. Some of you may be aware of something called the serenity prayer. And in that prayer it says, God, grant me the serenity. Here's the first mistake in that. It is not God granting me the serenity. <clears throat> Does that mean if I don't have serenity, God's, God's taking the day off? But what if I said, Sean, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change because I believe in love. Because. So, you know, even those subtle things that are so nice, we're still praying outside of ourselves. We're still thinking we're at the mercy of some being 
outside of ourselves. And we don't want to do that anymore. So to keep paying attention to that. Um, Buddhism is not a religion at all in the sense in which the word is commonly understood. It's not a system of faith or worship. In Buddhism, there is no such thing as belief in a body of dogma, which must be taken on faith, such as belief in a supreme being, uh, a creator of the universe, the reality of an immortal soul, a personal savior, or archangels who are supposed to carry out the will of the supreme deity. Buddhism begins as a search for truth. How about that? Search for truth. Again, what is truth? Is a search for that which has no opposite. That's what we really want. That We want that search. So we can start, we can really get on board once we know. There's no opposite to this. So I don't have to worry about it anymore. Uh, it, it, it will always serve me, that which is true. Uh, karma. Buddhism uh, talks of karma. We talk of cause and effect. That for every thought, word, and action, there is a coordinating thought, word, and action. Positive or negative. But that for every thought, word, and action, there is a, a coordinating thought, word, and action to go with it to cause effect. Too many of us are living in effect, think, in effect thinking effect, the effect was the cause. I have to do this because of this. No, that is the effect of what the cause before that. And so to pay attention to that. Now, there are three trainings or practices. These three consist of sila. If anybody, any of you have done vipassana, you'll know some of these terms and, and this stuff. Sila, virtue, good conduct, morality. This is based on two fundamental principles. The principle of equality, that all living entities are equal. The principle of reciprocity. Uh, this is the golden rule in Christianity, in case you don't know. To do unto others as you would wish them to do unto you. It is found in all major religions. So I ask you, are you doing to others as you would have them do unto you? Are your prayers for your enemies, that they be joy-filled, that they thrive and prosper, uh, that they have a great life? Because I'm pretty sure that's what you would like them to give you, isn't it? And to give all those, those ones you think are suffering at their hand. Uh, and I know this is tough stuff. This is a, this is a bear to, to do. It's, 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 you know, if I could just tell you, be guilty and pray to God to forgive you for your sins, we would be overflowing. <laughs> there wouldn't be room in this this room for all of, all the people that would want to be here, you know, because I could offer you redemptions from redemption from your sin, so that you could go forth and sin some more. <laughs> I've never said that before, but I find it very clever. Uh, okay, samadhi, concentration, meditation, mental development, developing one's mind is the path to wisdom, which in turn leads to personal freedom. Mental development also strengthens and controls our mind. This helps us maintain good conduct. And prana, discernment, insight, wisdom, enlightenment. This is the real heart of Buddhism. Wisdom will emerge if your mind is pure and calm. These are all things we teach in unity in a different language. You know, we put more hearts and flowers to it. But truth is true. 
And so there are many paths to get to what is true, but to pay attention to it all, not to dismiss it. And finally, the Four Noble Truths. The Buddha's Four Noble Truths explore human suffering. Uh, dukkha, suffering exists. Life is suffering. Suffering is real and almost universal. Suffering has many causes, loss, sickness, pain, failure, and the impermanence of pleasure. So, now, does that, I hope that clears it up for anybody if there was any confusion before <laughs> what I was saying. Samudaya, there is a cause of suffering. Suffering is due to attachment. It is the desire to have and control things. It can take many forms, craving of sensual pleasures, the desire for fame, the desire to avoid unpleasant situations. Anybody? Mm. <laughs> uh, like fear, anger, or jealousy. Naroda, this is an end to, that there is an end to suffering. Attachment can be overcome. Suffering ceases with the final liberation of nirvana. The mind experiences complete freedom, liberation and non-attachment. It lets go of any desire or craving. And Maga, in order to end suffering, you must follow the Eightfold Path. There is a path for accomplishing this, which we're not going through today, but you're welcome to look it up. My goodness, be here all afternoon. I have gone... Who, who's the big guy, big guy of Vipassana? Oh, Goenka, S.N. Goenka. I, I have done Vipassana meditation on, on several occasions, not daily, but I've gone for 10-day silent retreats. Now, Mr. Goenka, he, was, he, he passed a few years ago, but he, he was head of the organization, we'll call it. He was the head teacher for many years. And if you go to a, a Vipassana <laughs> retreat center, you will still hear him. He made a whole video series so, to, so that when you go, there's only one teacher instead of several teachers to interpret it. And so they play a video each night of different lesson and what have you. Now, his story is he had migraine headaches. He had migraines that he couldn't stop to the point where he was beginning to become addicted to morphine. He was a very successful businessman in, uh, somewhere in India. I can't remember where. It doesn't matter. He was very successful. And somebody suggested to him that he go to this Vipassana place. And so he, it was a different town, different city. And he went there. And the leader rejected him. Said, oh no, you're not ready for this. And, and, but, 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 and then he went back. And it was the third time he went that he was accepted. And his headaches went away. His cravings went away. So much so that he sold his business. And he moved to that place. He and his wife, they moved, uh, I just can't remember the, the towns, they're famous towns, uh, to become a practitioner of this and to learn it so that he could teach it and pass it along. And what Vipassana basically is, is observation. To be without judgment, but to be. To be wherever you happen to be in whatever you are experiencing, whatever sensations you are experiencing. And I've done it four times, and it deepens every time. I, last time I went, I was surprised. Suddenly, I could feel my sleeve on my arm. 
I could I could feel my t-shirt on, on my shoulders and things and I was like oh that's new because I, I it just I just kept observing I didn't have an opinion about the t-shirt I just observed it and and so in being and that's what new thought is about as well is in being somewhere it got new thought got convoluted and it became about getting stuff because we became powerful manifestors, and and so the sensations came, came up to tempt us again. You know, Buddha was tempted like four times so, uh, by the, the the evil Mara, right? and uh, it's it's not important to go into all the temptations right now. Jesus had his temptation story; they all have a temptation story, and the point is <clears throat> to get to the enlightenment is where you cannot be tempted any longer by the flesh, by the ego, and and in being. There, there's no effective temptation. My favorite Buddha quote is, as you walk and eat and travel, be where you are. As you walk and eat and travel, be where you are. You know, if you are experiencing pain, be where you are. If you are experiencing great joy, be where you are. If you are experiencing great judgment about it, be where you are. Observe it. Don't give extra opinions. Oh, it shouldn't be this way. Just be. Oh, look at me. I'm in great judgment right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm on the highway. Oh, I feel threatened by this speedy car driver. Actually, the cars don't speed. People driving them do. Uh, and they use the car to help them do it. You know, I've got all these examples up here, all these symbols up here that inspire us to not be where we are. I've known teachers of various, the Bible, who are never where they are. They're always trying to get somewhere else. I've seen Course in Miracles teachers who just, they use it to spread, to maintain guilt rather than freedom. I have known people who have made images of themselves because it's cool <laughs> even though it doesn't look that much like me i hope i uh, <laughs> i truly hope it doesn't what oh okay well, nevertheless i ordered it showing them a photograph of me and it's ridiculous but nevertheless i uh it's all ego every bit of this ego you know that i have a dancing jesus that usually sits on the dash of my of my car. It's not because I worship Jesus. It's because I think it's cool to have a dancing Jesus on my car. <laughs> we never talk about Santa in church. I didn't think I'd ever have an image of Santa Claus in this church, but it made sense today. So to pay attention to all of this, all of your stuff, as you walk and eat and travel, be where you are. Thank you very much.